Hey, like Turnbuckle Boogie? Of course you do. Best way to support the show, click on the show notes and follow our Brain Buster T-Store link to our store where you can purchase t-shirts or hoodies. You get a t-shirt or a hoodie and we get a couple of bucks. Let's us know that you're out there looking cool and uh, we get to buy uh, protein shakes and, uh, well, for me, polyhedral dice. <laughs> right, Cody? Indubitably. Let's boogie! How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How many sets of fancy dice do you own? I should probably give an introduction first. Uh, hey, folks, welcome to Turnbuckle Boogie. I am pro wrestling historian Timothy Styles, and with me is professional wrestler and Las Vegas-based trainer, Cutthroat Cody Hancock. Bah humbug. What, why do you say that? Oh, I just... Wrestling puts me in mood sometimes. I'm in a mood today. It puts me in a mood every week. Yeah, could it depends on how the quality of whatever show I watch that week. Yeah, like this week I watched WrestleMania 19. <laughs> I'm sure you feel great. Well, uh, you know I watched it in chunks, so I only remember sort of the later stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Austin uh, and Rock match. By the way, I only own one set of polyhedral dice. I feel like you need to broaden your horizons. There's so many different types. No. The, you know what? I got black with white print on them. Easy. And then I, I guess I have a second one, but it's all like six-sided dice because there's some RPGs you play where you need uh, like uh, pools of six-sided dice. Gotcha. Anyway. So uh, what was I talking about? Um, You are wearing a me, myself, and die shirt. That's not what you were talking about, though. You were talking about how uh, you were watching WrestleMania 19, oh, yeah, Austin yeah. and The Rock. So Austin versus The Rock um, was not as great of a match as their previous endeavors. This would be their last one where Austin essentially slunk away. You know, Rock gave him the ring since it would be his last time in there. He yep. didn't make a, make a show of it. He just sort of rolled out and limped down the aisle, and that was the last of the Texas Rattlesnake, yep. at least until recently, where he had his match against Kevin Owens. Cue the Incredible Hulk music. Right. Bing, 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 bing. Uh, there was a match with, uh, after that, because if you remember, I guess Austin the night before had like a anxiety attack or something, like a panic attack where he was like, hey, like he fell to the floor. They thought he was having a heart attack. Yeah. Because he had drank a shit ton of these energy drinks. and I've done that before. Right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so uh, so they had a, a, a match go on after just in case he couldn't come through. And that was Kurt Angle versus uh, Brock Lesnar. That's the infamous shooting star press headbutt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he headbutt the mat with, <laughs> with his full body weight behind it. Yes. Um. And then there was a, a juicy match uh, between Hulk Hogan and uh, Vince McMahon. Yes. And I got to say, Vince McMahon looked mostly good. Oh, yeah. No, he was chiseled. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, he looked good, mostly good in the ring. Oh, man. There's a few, like, flat back bumps where it's like 
you know, you hit a guy and he rolls a little bit. Yes. You know, there was a few little sort of flops like that. But other than that, guy had some good working stuff. Hell yeah. So, uh, and uh, yeah, he got color like no one's business. You know, for a guy who was so anti-blade jobs. He sure did a great one. Jeez Louise. It's not like an act. He didn't hard way. Yeah. He just full on gigged himself. Yeah. So I don't know what he's yelling at other people like, hey, don't do this. God damn it, pal. Well, I think that it's uh, something that I don't mind bloodshed. But no. if you do it in abundance, right. it kind of loses its effect. Right. You know, and I think that that's something that maybe McMahon realized, you know, because if you look in the history of uh, WWE, right. I don't even want to say F. It was very few occasions. I think um, JBL versus Eddie Guerrero. Oh, where he is, hit an artery. <laughs> <laughs> is one that sticks out in mind. I know Cena, I think, also had a bloody one against JBL as well. What about that whole time period where Brock Lesnar returns and he was mauling whoever he was against, whether it was John Cena or Randy Orton? But instead of using a blade, yeah. Sorry to get behind the scenes here, folks, but instead of doing that, he was just hard boying guys with the point of his elbow at the scalp line. Yes. And some of the. Some of the gashes that were formed were really nasty, particularly that one that he did on Randy Orton. He oh, yeah. He about took the guy's scalp off, and he was concussed out of his gourd and, I mean, a pool of blood. Like, you would yes. have thought there was a dead body in there. Yes. Started forming, and it's like, good grief. Why is this preferable to using a razor? Well, and I think that it's almost kind of like bragging rights at that point, you know? And also there's been situations that I know that Foley has talked about where he's been told specifically, don't bleed tonight. Right. And the way he would get around that. And he's like, yeah, well, I really think that this match needs blood. So I'm just not going to tell anybody. And I'll go and tell Vader. I'll go and tell Vader, hey, just punch me directly in the eyebrow and we'll get our color that way. And then (laughs) that's not what he said to Vader. Or either or. He said, let's get a little uh, blood out of my nose. Yeah. And Vader proceeded to punch him with all of his strength in the nose. Yes. And (laughs) broke it. Yeah. Well, he would have, you know, he would use the old Harley race technique of, uh, you know, with a punch coming down with the point of the knuckles on the eyebrow. And yeah, you could split the eyebrow that way. Pretty much anywhere where hair starts, you can, you can, uh. Split that skin pretty easily if you know what you're doing. Absolutely. So, but uh, anyway, yeah, I'm in a pretty decent mood this week as it pertains to wrestling uh, since I watched WrestleMania 19. Although it was not <laughs> the greatest year in wrestling, you know, it would it would mark sort of. I think the trajectory was all already on a down tick at that point. Yes, I think it was probably 2003 and. Um, things were about ready to turn. You know, basically when Stone Cold was done and The Rock was already not full-time anymore, um, uh, and I think at this point Mick Foley was already gone because yeah. he, he, what, retired in 2001 or I two, believe so. Something like that. You know, this was really the beginning of the end, uh, not just for me, but for a lot of people. Yeah. And it was a, you know... A, uh, diminishing returns for years after that. Yes. 
And I feel like it's only in the past maybe five years where things have moved into an upswing. Yes, there's there's for sure an upswing. Uh, I think that now my wrestler paranoia is coming in and I'm I'm like the bubble is getting pretty big. Right. Yeah. And that's it's, a, that's a, it's going to pop. That's a realistic thing, man. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, right now in the WWE, there's really one major star. That 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 they've bred, and it's Roman Reigns is at the top. Yep. And the word is is he's looking to drop that title and uh, not really move on, but uh, carry less of a load, so to speak. Yes. Um, it's not like he wrestles every week anyway, so I, I don't know what the problem is, but he well, he doesn't want to be on every goddamn TV show. Yeah. Must be nice to have that problem that you're like, geez, I hate flying every week to be a fucking on a television show watched by millions of people. Yeah. Well, what a I, rough life. I think it'd be, it'd be different if there was somebody taking care of your transit for you. There's a big difference between is that still <clears throat> though going on in WWE. Absolutely. It is. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. That's wild. To me. Yeah. And there's, there's other promotions that they take care of that type of thing for you. Yeah. Every and, other one. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and it, it's, it's strange. Cause so and if they don't do that, then that means they don't take care of your hotel room and they don't take care of your, your rent a cars or any of that. It's one of the reasons that punk bought a bus. Right. Because he would rather have the ability to be on the road and sleep in the bus and get to where he needs to get to comfortably. Right. And I think that it's something that obviously when Cody Rhodes returns from injury, he will most likely be welcomed back with a hero's welcome for sure. sure. And I feel like if you're going to talk about a top baby face right now, I think that they can definitely get that out of Cody. But like you said, Roman has been at the top for a little bit now. Um, I don't know. Cody Rhodes. Hmm. See, the problem is, is that there's just too many cynical fans out there. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that was really the problem with Cody Rhodes's baby face run. I remember, you remember like, uh, you know, when he was really pushing for it, I honestly thought he was doing like an ironic sort of John Cena-esque heel turn. Like, oh, I get it. He's trying to be a babyface so much that people hate him. Yeah. Like, I could see that on TV. Turns out everyone could see that except for Cody himself. <laughs> well, but I mean, we're comparing some of the AEW stuff to his WWE run like him coming back for him leaving AEW to WWE was probably the best thing for him sure and it boosted people caring about him so instead of him begging to be liked um it's a feel-good story of this place didn't value me I went and made my value outside of here, and now I'm back to show everybody what I am actually capable of. Sure. And I think that that was something that got cut very short with the peck tear. Right. But I, I, I hope that he's healed up by mania. Uh, another star that uh, WWE has right now is actually Logan Paul. Right. Um, which is incredible to see actually i think it's wild well he's injured too he yes he just he tore something in his knee yeah 
I don't know, and I don't fucking care. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I know that he put on one great match or whatever, and everyone's lost their mind. Like, well, yo, this guy can can uh, do it, but uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, I for me, I, I think it's been two matches now. Yeah, and I can see the there's little tiny things that he's doing that a lot of people aren't picking up on that let me know this dude is going to be incredible. And with like what with uh, his in ring work and he's already established as a polarizing figure anyway. Mm-hmm. So you can swing him. That's the last thing I want in pro wrestling. Another John Cena. Yeah. Half the people cheer you and the other half boo you. Well, if they buy a ticket to cheer and boo, I guess. Yeah. It, but that keeps me someone who's willing to buy a ticket out of the building. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this place sucks. Yeah, but that's the the reactions that he's been getting in front of live crowds and things of that nature. He's not going out and shitting the bed. Mm-hmm. And there's little tiny micro um things that he's doing them like, "Oh, this dude's smarter than he's letting on." Yeah, I wonder who who he's getting his training from. Whatever, wherever he's doing it, he just keep it up because I, I, if he sticks with it Mm -hmm. and as long as he doesn't get caught up too much in the political, um, shit baggery, I think that he'll probably have a really good run. I mean, is it possible to not get caught up in political shit baggery? It's part of the game and how to play it. Uh, it's so bad. It's it's incredibly bad. I still have not recovered from the all out media scrum <laughs> like I and I, I haven't recovered from it. And I'm watching people that are um, on uh, the indies uh, that are trying to follow that like a business model like that's going to actually help them out. <laughs> Keep doing it. In what way? How are they following um, they're they're following the well. I listened to CM Punk uh, say that he was working with children, so I'm going to get a live microphone on a wrestling show and I'm going to air my grievances. And some people are doing that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, There's people that are doing that. People are shooting their shot now, and I knew what was going to happen. I'm like, people are going to end up romanticizing this. Yeah, but are they not getting the other part of the news? <laughs> right. You right. Know, where it all went up in flames. No. No, they're not getting that part of the news. How could that be? Um, How could they only see that and you know not have a Twitter account? Because whatever? because narcissists want that fantasy. Oh. They want to fulfill the fantasy. Oh, whatever. I mean, I think the I find that every industry generally shakes out the dirt. Yeah, with the exception of wrestling. Oh yeah, you think that they'll get ahead for two minutes and people will just say, "Well, let's keep this going." Um, no, I just, I think that they're wrestling. So for instance, I, I did a promo the other day. I saw. And the promo was very, um, self-righteous. And the, the second that I'm saying I'm the best, everyone's like, yeah, that's great. And it took me a long time to ever even be bold enough to say that type of thing. And there's some people that they're not the best, right. but they're given really bad advice from other people that you got to say that you're the best and well, you, you got to think that you're the best. Well, you definitely do need to say you're the best and you need to think you're the best, but you also need to be self-aware that if you're some fucking greenhorn, 
Right. If you say and think that you're the best and you're nowhere near the top 10, you should probably be quiet. And that's and the and that's that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. That's it's one of the reasons why the industry is um, frustrating to me specifically right. because it's not within me as a person to say I'm the best at anything, but now it I'm, is pro wrestling well, and it's supposed to be a competition to, and, to us idiots out there on the other side of the barricade. I have to believe you think that. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's not even a matter of me thinking like in, in this city, there's um, so many different people that think that they know what they're doing and they have no fucking clue. Right. And unfortunately, now I'm going to have to be the one that says, hey, it's me. I'm the guy. I'm the guy that's made this city. Right. And if anybody wants to contest me in that, by all means, work harder than me. Do as much as I've done for as long as I have. And there's not one person. Right. There's not. There's not. And I, I want to be wrong, so please, anybody can prove me wrong. But now, like I said, I'm in a position to where I will talk my shit. Right. Yeah. Hello. I just uh, want to pass a little message on here to the assassins. And I want to make it quite clear to everybody in professional wrestling just how I feel. I want to make it quite clear, and I'm sure there's a lot of top professional wrestlers who know where I'm coming from, and what feeling and what depth of feeling I've got. I just want them to know, and if they don't listen to this interview, I want you people to pass it on to them, that I am so intent in my feelings at the moment. I want to go back to when I first started in wrestling to a a town called Wigan, to a town where they have a gymnasium called the Snake Pit. An ominous name, but its reputation was not as hard as the people that came out of it. Not the people that went in it, because some of those didn't last. You had to be a man to go into that gymnasium. The coach was Billy Riley. Men from all over the world. Dara Singh from India. Gideon Gita from Hungary. Bird Azarati. Billy Joyce. Both champions, all champions in their own right. But they had something that very few professional wrestlers or any type of combat people have. They learnt out a hook and I learned how to hook and I learned how to stretch and these names may not mean thing, anything to you but what it really means is you learn how to break how to maim how to injure how to put pain on your opponent now I became not quite good but very good at this catch-as-catch-can style of wrestling, the toughest there is. And I became a professional wrestler. Professional wrestling is the toughest sport in the world. But it is physical chess. It's the mind and the strength of the stamina against your opponent. Unfortunately, I've got pride in myself as a wrestler. 
I got pride that wrestling to me is the greatest thing in my life. And I've put what I learned before, shall we say, in my hip pocket, in my back pocket, and I've not had really the opportunity, the necessity, or the will to use it. But now, assassins, the opportunity and the necessity and the need for me mentally and physically has arrived. Tell me how you really feel. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it is. I went out last night um, to uh, uh, see m- one of my old bands. Really? Have a show, yeah. Hell yeah. The uh, So they're called the Big Friendly Corporation. There's some lousy music videos out there on the internets. I've seen some. So, I don't think they're too lousy. Well, well, I know that there was one that was very high quality, but very, very arty. And then there's one that was not meant to be released to the public, but the person who made it was like, well, fuck these guys. I don't care. Yeah. Because it was terrible. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, there's video footage of me playing with this uh, band. But uh, anyway, I went out and saw him and had a good time. Saw some people I haven't seen in a few years. Um, and uh, I ran into uh, one of my buddies, the Reverend, I call him. Yes. Tim Crow. Um, oh, oh, I, I guess uh, I don't know. Why I'm name checking his last name. He's not a person of interest at all, except for that. He's well, a chum of mine. And, and, and I, I know him as well. He's very supportive and he's a really good dude. Yeah. And he regularly trains um in uh, uh at the extreme kotor gym of which you know my friend owns it ryan kotor yes. he's the son of randy kotor but anyway i ran into tim crow and he says uh hey did you see this catch as catch can uh documentary and i said no i did not and he said oh, i'll send it to you anyway so before you came over i i uh sat and watched it and uh i gotta tell you if you are a fan of pro wrestling or if you're in the industry and want to uh, know how the industry started and uh, I mean, where it came from, (laughs) I can't recommend this documentary enough. Yeah. I guess it was produced by Randy Couture, which is what I believe Tim said to me, but uh, um, it's, pretty fantastic i mean it covers a lot of stuff that we've had talked about on previous shows yep uh about the birth of the industry and the um how things really stem from uh frank gotch yes but uh yeah man i I, i'm telling you you have a not a book report but a movie report oh no i'll i will absolutely watch it but uh i I, I wish it could be something that I could force other people to watch too, but yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hey, look, we have a lot of people who are training to become wrestlers. Yes. Uh, who listen to this show, not just fans of wrestling. Yep. And to those people, I encourage you, you need to know about the history of the industry and about this particular uh, breed of professional re- or brand of professional wrestling style because. Uh, uh, professional wrestling as well as mixed martial arts both stem from catch as catch can which, yes um you know if you watch enough old sort of movies and uh you'll hear references to catch as catch can and ed the strangler lewis you know it was the premier 
style of wrestling. And essentially, for people who don't know, Catch as Catch Can is basically freestyle or folk style um, wrestling, but with hooks and yeah. and uh, submission holds and shit like that. Yes. You know, you can throw on a, a leg bar. You didn't just have to pin a guy. You could submit a guy. Yes. And, uh, you know, it was created uh, by, I think it was Billy Riley in the late 1800s who um, basically started the Wigan Snake Pit, which we've talked about a lot on this show over the uh, past few years. Yes. And I, ironically, I watched this documentary and uh, uh, today's episode, I knew in advance we were going to be doing uh, Billy Robinson, who is a... Uh, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers in history. Yeah. Not the most lovely guy, but one of the most fucking feared bastards in the history of pro wrestling. And uh, in my personal opinion, something of an innovator. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And one of the most legit tough guys. You know, you hear stories about Haku and Harley Race and Danny Hodge and Billy Robinson's name gets thrown in there as well. Yeah. Because he terrorized Canada, the U.S., and Japan. Uh, and uh, just a brutal, brutal dude. Yeah. He's a fantastic ho- hooker. Yes. And there was a... When you watch his stuff now, and you see there's there's some Euro trash in it. You know, like what I refer to as Euro trash is some things that look sensational, but they wouldn't have actual real world application. Right. But then. I mean, he did train Johnny Saint. And yeah. And then you end up seeing that instead of just being an actual magician, he's also a fucking warlock that can bend you and stretch you and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a great metaphor, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he. Yeah, he could do that fun shit. You know, he'd do a cartwheel and do some silly drop kick or something like that. And he'd just go, oh, that's cute. So he understood the showmanship of the new kind of wrestling for his time period. But behind the scenes, I, a legendary, scary guy. I, f- I forget. I remember hearing years ago a story of him and like someone else. It must have been like Danny Hodge, where they were just in a hotel room and they were like, all right, let's fucking do this. And they move the fucking chairs and the bed and all that shit out of the way and went, all right, let's go. And they fucking wrestled for like four hours. Yep. And just couldn't couldn't take each other. Yep. Real gay stuff. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, man. Oh man, there was a there was um there was some military boys. I, I I say gay, but honestly, it's gay in that it's the most macho thing ever. I, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, for listen. two dudes to just be like, who do you think's better, me or you? I don't know. Well, let's find out. I personally think there's nothing more manly than being gay. Like, and I'm not even trying to make a joke about it, man. Right. You gotta, you gotta be tough, man. <laughs> like, you, 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 you gotta be tough. And not to mention that I, I, that's maybe I should just stop there. <clears throat> like, I you gotta be tough guy. Oh my god. But I, and I shouldn't tell the story in full. But I. I had an interaction one time where a friend of mine from years and years ago ended up going to the military and he came back to town with another buddy of his that uh, ended up being stationed out here. And 
they stopped over to my family's residence. And despite the fact that my mother, my sister and her children were all in the same place, we were in the living room kind of hanging out, playing video games, cracking a couple beers, stuff like that. And then once the night kind of got a little bit later, all of a sudden one guy's like, Hey, I'll be right back. And he goes out to his car and he brings back in a DVD booklet. Keep in mind, this is the friend of a friend. Okay. I don't even really know this dude. And he is. Oh, is this like the insert to a gay porn or something? Not a gay porn. Uh, he just had porn porn. And he's like, yeah, let's watch it. And I'm like, yeah, man, no. Uh-huh. Uh, for me, um, porn is something that I like to watch for uh, digest a, privately for one minute and 30 seconds. That's all I need. That's all. Yeah. It's, it's, it's arguably too much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> De- it depends on, you know, how much time it takes to get the job done. I just need to hear the sound of a girl faking an orgasm and then I can turn it off. There it is. And <laughs> pretty quickly. It's like uh, the lizard part of my brain lets me know I'm done. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. And so then I have to tell him like, yeah, no, man, this isn't, that's not going to happen. Right. And then all of a sudden it just kind of turns into, okay, well, we want to watch wrestling because we like wrestling. So we turn on wrestling and then it turns into, why couldn't we watch porn? (laughs) Yeah. This, this dude then decides to take off his shirt and he is like, we can, I can show you guys some wrestling stuff right now. You know, I used to be a clean and he like gets like ready and it's like dude it's like 11 o'clock at night uh-huh we're in a double wide trailer right my family is in here we're not doing this like this is you came to the wrong hangout buddy and i'm sorry i'm wondering where this story is going that's it then we kissed yeah and then i i kissed him goodbye <laughs> and i told him to come over when my family wasn't there so we could have fun i think when no. i was a late teenager somebody played no I'm sorry, early 20s. I was at a place, they just had porn on the TV. Yeah. I think uh, my wife was just my girlfriend. She was there at the time. It was very weird. Yes. I'm not into the, anyway, yeah, private minute and 30 seconds. Yeah. Make the sound, clean up and go home. There it is. There it is. It's very easy. But yeah, no, I, whew, man, there was, that was a day. All right, moving on. Well, so modern pro wrestling obviously is is very different from uh, a lot of this stuff, despite the fact that all the holds have been leveraged from Catches Catch Can, which has actually done damage to the credibility of Catches Catch Can. Yes, Um, because you know it's a legitimate shoot style, but a lot of the legit holds have been leveraged by uh, pro wrestlers over the years because of the crossover. Yep. And um, now no one wants to do, you know, sort of half crabs and and shit like that because some jack off pro wrestler does it. Right. So that's why more people in are, are seemingly into jujitsu. Jujitsu gyms have become huge over the past 20 years because of the Gracies and less there's less than ever catch wrestling dojos around the world. Yeah. But it's still like neck and neck with jujitsu is a legitimate way to compete with that sort of 
martial art. Yes. And it just, I think that the endurance and strength that comes through with learning how to actually leverage another human body. Right. And for me, a lot of the things that I bring to FSW, as far as training is concerned, I do teach them a lot of catch holds and I will watch a video and I'll be able to dissect it. And then it's like, okay, well he's doing this here. Okay. Well, how can I do that? Can I do it without killing somebody? And can it look just as good? Right. Okay. And a lot of the holds from catch wrestling serve extremely well to pro wrestling. It's just a matter of knowing the difference. And, and not just the holds, but the hooks, right? Yes. You can do, under, do a double underhook on a guy and give him a the overhead suplex. Yes. You know, that that stuff it extends itself very well. Oh, I lo- one of my favorite things is takedowns. Right. You know, and there's a lot of different takedowns. There's more than just a fireman's carry. Right. And there's... Um, there's... So there's so much to learn. If you can get a single leg on a guy. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't even have to double leg him and lift him up and, you know, spike him into the mat or any of that stuff. If you can just get a single leg, even if he sprawls, you can catch that cat with a toe hook or something. Absolutely. And and make him give up his will to live. Yep. And that's the 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 gentle art of knowing how to grip an ankle, yeah. how to move. I can grab somebody by their foot. Right. Right. And I can make them move wherever I want them to move. Yep. And voluntarily or not. Right. Like that's, and I think that that's something that I would recommend it to anyone that's listening, but unfortunately it's just self-defense. It Yes. 90, it is self-defense. I mean, 90, uh, like if let's say I all of a sudden I walked out of this room and a, a intruder bust into my house, I, I my instinct is to just go for a, a key lock. Yeah. Just all my offense would just be mostly hammerlock based. How can I get this guy's arm behind him and crank up on it until he wish he was not here? Yeah. And, or if I can just hold them until somebody can get here, right. you know, and that's fuck that. I would take that arm right out of the socket. Yeah. Yeah. If I, I got to sit here with you. Yep. And I, thankfully I, I've been in a few situations to where I've had to hold people right. for arrest, uh, doing nightclub security and things like that. You're in situations like that to where, I, I, I'm not allowed to break your arm, but I can hold your arm and you're not going to want to move. And if you do move, it'll break on its own. Right. Like just, just maybe don't do that. Like I, I think that, and I do tell people like one thing that I see a lot in wrestling and pro wrestling in general is how people grab headlocks from collar and elbow tie ups. And if somebody has their hand on your neck you are not going to be able to very easily just sweep their hand off of your neck. Right. But you can throw your arm over their arm 
and leverage their arm in a different position to where you can actually gain control on them. So for things like head locks and wrist locks and stuff like that, I'll, I'll ask to see somebody, let me see you grab this. And nobody will ever know how to grab it for real. And it's like, okay, well that's fine. But let's say you're working somebody and they don't know how to work. Right. And they don't know that you want this. Take the guesswork out and learn how to take this. Right. That's something that the, from the fundamentals of catch wrestling. Yeah. And it's, I think that for me trying to inspire an entire generation of wrestlers to learn catch holds is like I said, it's romantic, you know, like, Oh, I, I love that world. But there's some people that they get into wrestling and they don't, they don't care about how it's actually done. Right. They don't care. They just want to put on the show and be the star. Yeah. That's, and I think that that's really the the biggest issue is that back in the day, those people, oh, you want to be the star? Yeah, you get the Man, fucking job yeah, down. Yeah, okay, come, come, come here to Stu Hart's basement. Right. You know, like you can be a superstar in Stu Hart's basement. Right. Right. And like that's. That's the thing. And I don't agree with beating people up or no. taking them out. Oh, but yeah, yeah. It was very sociopathic behavior. And, you know, openly the history of catch as catch can. I mean, you had to be a tough, dirty dude. Yeah. I mean, you were, you know, it, it was passed down from generation to generation of men's men, like the yep. legit toughest guy in town. It was was a practitioner. He did not want to go fucking around with someone who knew what they were doing with hooks. Yep. To the gentleman who will be involved in that exciting match coming up Monday night, and I use the term gentleman because they requested it, Billy Robinson, international champion, Lord Alfred Hayes, and I don't know the terminology he wants to use. What do you oh, on, call yourself? What is your title? You can't speak English. You can't adequately run this program. The whole situation here leaves a lot to be desired. But most of all, the shabby treatment that's been handed to William Robinson, the international champion. The justified treatment. Will you be quiet while a lord is speaking? Now, firstly, you said I was a valet or a consort. I'm a mentor. I'm also a very adequate wrestler. The conspiracy against Robinson and I is obvious here. I mean, be very logical about this. If a man is out of the ring more than five times, he loses his title. What is to stop Bravo from pitching him out five times in order to obtain such a quest? Think about it now. This is against us because we're Englishmen. Maybe not only because we're Englishmen, but let us say rather that we can thrash any Quebecois here in the state or the province of Quebec, especially in Montreal. Robinson and I are not happy. Speak about this. What is to say? The deck is stacked. What happens, you answer me, if Dino Bravo goes out five times? Does he lose the match too? You tell me, Mr. Cannon, 
or is it all just for Dino Bravo? It won't help you, Bravo. It won't help you a bit. Monday night, Paul Sovey, a lot of action be there. But ah. here's the thing. The, the, there's a reason why when the Gold Dust Trio was formed, when they created the business model of what professional wrestling was, that Ed the Strangler Lewis was um, their main star. It's because he was the legit toughest guy in the world. Yep. Because he knew that he was the toughest guy in the world and he couldn't be beat. It was, moving him was like trying to move a, a 500-pound boulder. Um, he, he would have gone undefeated for 40 years mm-hmm. unless he cooperated and said, hey, look, I'm gonna, you're going to get the title tonight, but I'm going to win it back in two months' time because if he just went undefeated for 40 years, it would get tiresome after a few. Yep. That's why pro wrestling exists and, and the fact that endings are predetermined because generally the there are certain people who are just legitimately tougher than every single person in the industry. And the reason why the tough guy was normally the champion is because if the, guy, the other guy didn't want to do business and give the title back, well, he was just going to fucking lose the old-fashioned way. Yeah, he, he, he can retain the title. Yeah, he would get stretched in front of God and everybody. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's a, that's why it's, despite the fact that Brock Lesnar in his modern incarnation with the, with the fucking goofy uh, Eric Young uh, whip on top of his head, you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Remember when Eric Young was in NXT? And he had he looked like one of the one of the those big fat guys from uh, Nothing But Trouble. Hi, I'm Bobo. That's Little Double. Hi, we're not allowed in the house. Oh, I do. Yes, anyway, yes, yes, yes. That's what Brock Lesnar looks like now, except uh, not. Uh, he, it's a, a weird little ponytail. Yeah, that sits on top of his head. You know, the, it's the, the fact that it's like, here comes this guy and he's wearing a flannel shirt and a, the stupid ponytail and a cowboy hat. There's not one human being who wants to see this. But are you going to tell him that? Yep. I'm not. Not me. Hey, that guy's stretched everyone in every arena he goes into. Yeah. Not me. If, I don't want to be that guy. If it even gets to that, he'd bludgeon you to death, first of all. Yeah. So... But uh, but that's why it was. So that's why it's all it's always weird to me when I hear like, oh, students, they don't want to learn that stuff. And it's frustrating for me, too, because I the amount of people that I wish that would want to learn that stuff, because if you're ever in a situation to where if you have to defend yourself and you don't know how to fucking wrestle your way out of a wet paper bag, right, you're going to get hurt how about if you're just in the middle of a match and someone's getting carried away you might want to front face lock them in some fashion and yep. go hey man let's take it easy we already got their money brother well i i i used to get frustrated right and i i can't be frustrated anymore um because i can't expect everybody to share the same fascination that i have with manipulating the human body right and i also there are some people that do enjoy it. And for the people that do enjoy it, I would love to spend time teaching it. And I think that, uh, something that listening to some Billy Robinson interviews, Mm. you know, uh, the 
training seminars that he has that are available on YouTube to watch. These guys are having to do it over and over and over again. And in today's day and age, people just think, oh, yeah, I got that. Right. Uh, no, you don't got it. You right. have to but do you, it. You don't over. get to say shit like that to Billy Robinson, even in his older, fatter, and decrepit state. Oh, he could still kill you. He would still, but he, just listening to him talk, are right, you motherfucker, get in there. You yep. know, like, what are you going to talk back to Billy Robinson? I think it's dope now that he has his cane and he'll poke people with his cane, <laughs> which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I love the, I don't know what it is. The drill sergeant in the dojo or, you know, like, I really feel like it's not that it's necessary, but it's 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 so important to distill the discipline side of things into into people. It's nice that everyone can pay and play. But uh, if you want to make it uh, to the point where you get to perform. Yeah, you got to have a, a, a next level uh, of dedication, I think. Yep. And you're going to have to have some top tier discipline. Yep. And the discipline, I think people, there's some people that they want somebody else to tell them to do it. Right. Right. You should want to do it on your own. I agree. It, it, like I want to be disciplined. Yeah. A like, lot of these old catch guys, man, they really zoned in on, weaknesses in the gym yep you know they did not respect anyone who showed any weaknesses Mm -hmm. and uh would promptly ask them to get the fuck out yep if that's how they were going to be there because this those gyms those dojos they were for men only yep not in the classic sense of a man but they were for people who were made of something else granite yeah you know and that's it's it's something like I said. I think that now uh, I've learned to not be so frustrated because instead of being frustrated, I'm just gonna be like, "This is what we're doing today. If you want to learn it, cool. I'm not gonna chase you out the door if you don't." Right. And there, if you don't want to learn it, get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, and I still have is is cantankerous as I am today. Right. I'm. I, I'm still thankful for the ones that do care. Yeah. There's some that do. It must be like an actual, like, a, you know, a high school teacher or, you know, a, an academic teacher. Most of the class doesn't care, but a handful of the kids do care. And yes. that's what matters. Yes. It's a shame that all the class doesn't matter, but it's a shame that in a, in a institution where you actually have to pay to get in. Yeah that you don't care as much as you should. Yep. Like you're paying to be here. Why are you not trying harder? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Why not? Cause in high school, it's not like I wanted to take math. Right. <laughs> so I, I did. I don't as, think that anybody does. I did as little as I could. Yep. Just, to, just enough to get a D. Hey, hey. But creative writing, I wanted to be there. Yes. And I fucking did everything. And I'm very thankful for that teacher that I had. Yeah. So do you remember their name? Yeah. Mrs. Eumanson. Eumanson. Y-E-O-M-A-N-S-O-N. A A human, I believe, is an archer from medieval times. That's excellent. Yeah. Funny thing about old names, like a Fletcher is someone who builds bows and arrows. A smith is someone who's a... Creates iron. Right. Works with metals. Mill? Miller? Mills? 
They're millers. Isn't that like like us? like grains? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, so I'm. I should tell you. I guess I could have told you off the air. I'm working on a solo tabletop RPG. That's my little art project that I've been sort of tinkering away on for some time. Do you have a name yet? Oh yeah, it's called Blight. Yes, it's a basically a death metal album. Uh, that you play (laughs) but uh uh you can meet npcs but every npc you meet has a different trade so if they get sent back to your hamlet so to speak your 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 little community whatever trade they are can give you bonuses to to you so if they were a smith you'd get plus one to your weaponry or some shit like that anyway that's what I'm working on. I guess I shouldn't have brought it up in the middle of this wrestling show. No, <laughs> why not? Yes, I do shit outside of wrestling, folks. Oh, man, what's that like? You know, you have a choice. You don't have to go home and play wrestling video games. Oh, I haven't. I've been playing Fantasy Star Online for the original Xbox. Good Lord. Yeah, I just got my OG Xbox back on the internet. <laughs> Has it been a nice respite? taking a break from wrestling. I always fear that people who are in wrestling who live and breathe and drink and fart and shit and all everything wrestling. It's like, how do they, they got to get tired of it at a certain point. My body feels worse from taking the break. Well, yeah, there's that. No, but uh, what I'm saying is look, train five days a week and do all that shit. But when you come home, unwind by reading uh, a little mad magazine and listening to a podcast about true crime. I used to have a subscription to Cracked. Oh, yeah. Cracked magazine was my favorite. That was the poor man's mad. Yes. Mad magazine. And I was poor. Their, man. Their website was pretty good for a long time, too. Yeah. I So normally, I'll always set time aside for Casey so she can. We're watching Project <laughs> Runway Jr. right oh, now. Oh, God. That's yeah. your wife, by the way. I just want to give yes. context. Yeah, I, I like that show. It's a good show. How old are these kids? You Anywhere said from like 14 to 17. This is terrible. They're great. I walked in on my wife watching one of these real housewives of whatever. Yeah. Oh, no, it was specifically of Salt Lake City the other day. Oh. And I just looked at the TV. And of course, you know, all these ladies on these shows. They're clearly just narcissists who want to be famous for something, despite the fact that they're completely untalented. They want to be Kim Kardashian or Paris they, Hilton. They, they all have just gigantic tits and the, the like, they're never like, you know, the completely fabricated with the big fake eyelashes and just the, everything's done up at all times. And I was watching the scene with my wife for two minutes. Cause that's all I could stomach. And her poor kids were on the show, and I was like, these poor bastards, they didn't have a choice. They got to go to school. Yeah. Their stupid Mormon fucking elementary school and hear other kids be like, you're fucking an idiot. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible parents. Yeah. So I, we watched some movies, you know, like I think we talked about it last podcast, but the time away, like I was surprised. I thought physically I was going to feel better. I feel worse. Like I, I feel physically awful. Uh, but we're correcting that by next week, our gym routine is going to be back on track and yeah, you got to build that callus back up. Yeah, man. My shoulder was really tight. Like why, why it, is this happening? It's funny. You hear the term ring rust and it almost seems like a metaphor. Like, Oh, he's just a little rusty out there. No, 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 no. <laughs> 
Yeah. Your body adapts to taking damage. And if you take time off from taking damage, then the next time you take damage, you're taking some fucking damage. Yeah. That's so that's uh, I'm I'm looking forward to getting back on the routine. Uh, Casey, my wife, is probably going to still be out of the gym for a, a while um her follow-up appointment after her surgery is i think next week Mm -hmm. so but it once she gets healed up though she's right into contest prep so she's got to start putting numbers back up again right i think she's gonna probably give context your wife is a power lifter yes a competitive power lifter right she can lift more than i can what does she lift what does she deadlift her deadlift is close to 500 pounds I could do that. No big yeah. deal. Yeah, no, I, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, her squat is... I probably couldn't deadlift 500 pounds. Her squat. Her squat's close to 400. When I say deadlift, is that the same as clean and jerk? Or you... N- clean, no. Uh, deadlift is without the hike up to the chest. Deadlift is just lifting it to your waist. Oh, I could do that. Yeah. Um, you can't do 500 pounds? No, absolutely not. Could you squat 500 pounds? Absolutely not. Hmm. I was very I mean, that's an engine block, right? Yeah. When her and I first started weight training together, I was trying to follow the numbers that she was doing. Yeah. My body couldn't handle it with wrestling. Oof. Um, so the closest I got to squat was uh, 275. Um, the heaviest I went on deadlifts was 315, hmm. um, which is three plates on each side. And my bench, I just stopped benching entirely. I once walked into the garage of my house as a child, and I saw my father attempt to lift a, a Mustang 302 engine block. Oh, no. Because it had, like, fallen off the cherry picker or something like that. And I watched him try to get down there, and uh, my dad slightly resembled Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> and... I don't know if you've ever seen Backdraft. I haven't. There's a scene. Uh, there's a scene where somebody is. I don't want to spoil the movie. Someone is hanging off some sort of scaffolding and uh, might fall into a fire. But Kurt Russell is there to save the day. He's got him. He's holding him f- with one arm, and his cheek is twitching because he's he's trying so hard to hold this whole human being. Yeah. Anyway. That was the look my dad had in his eye and <laughs> his face when he was trying to lift this engine block that probably weighed like four or five hundred pounds. Yeah. His cheek was twitching. I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy's a maniac. Yep. It didn't he didn't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that he tried. Sh- sure. I'm sure he lied down for the rest of the day. Yeah. And even the fiercest wrestlers must feel this enjoyment and want to pass it on to others. Okay, come on. Do a fine match, George. Come on. Billy Robinson is a fanatic wrestler. He, he, he's a fanatic wrestler and trainer. He trains and he lives and dies training and wrestling because he is that way inclined. Can't you lift your plumbing arm? Put it in that way. Go on. It reminds me of the old-time gunfighters that if they heard there was somebody quick on the draw, they had to go to that town and find out. If he heard tomorrow that there was a great wrestler in China, he would have to go to China and take this man on and try him and wrestle him. Yes. 
when you get this leg in here, you know what I mean, Barry? Brian, come here, yeah. Here, you're messing about with this hand. Here. Do you understand? There. And that's not right. Oh. You want to be up the fella here. There. Push up strong, Fred. Now, if he pushes up strong, knock both his hands away. And then beat it under the tip of the elbow and over the top of the head. You see how he turns? Can you see how I finish now? Falling up in. Yeah. Do a leg and arm on me, Fred. Good, I'll try to resist that. Go on, finish it off now, Fred. I'm not going to go on my back. Finish it off. Come on. Fight you! Bloody Come on! Come on! That's it, that. Come on, me. Okay, okay, okay. Hey, should we talk about the thing you and I talked about on the phone uh, earlier in the week? All right. Do you not remember what it was? Vaguely. Okay. I'll spell it out. So about a month ago, we had, you had mentioned to me in passing that, oh, they're doing an Unsolved Mysteries episode on Buffalo. Oh, this. Yes, 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 On yes. Buffalo Jim's death. And yeah. I had completely forgotten about it. And then just the other day, I was listening to some back catalog boogies. Mm-hmm. And that came up and I went, oh, yeah, that's right. So it's probably out by now. And I looked it up. It's uh, Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix, and uh, it's an episode about, oh, I forget his real last name. I can't remember either. But it's an episode about uh, Buffalo Jim, who, if you're a fan of this show, you know that I, at one time, was seriously post the military going to be getting into pro wrestling, and uh, the week I was meant to start, I backed out because I wanted to look for a different um trainer because i got skeeved out by buffalo jim yeah and uh and his place of business basically yeah i just was like this seems kind of carny and gross and i <laughs> there's got to be a better quality place out there and now it's not a knock on buffalo jim he's from a different generation yes of of people out there anyway the point is um not to be weird, but, you know, he was found dead at a certain point with his pants around his ankles in uh, a motel room. And uh, and then we find out that there's this unsolved mysteries thing. I watched it. Yeah. And uh, it was very well done. Yeah. I, I my heart goes out to his daughters. I think that that's something that is it's 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 a hard take, you know, and I think that for anybody, I, I highly recommend watching it. Right. Uh, there was some very suspicious things about his death. Um, it didn't seem like they went into a very thorough. Um, well, they only have an hour to work with. Yeah. So they try to squeeze all the f- major plot points into an hour. But basically what it boiled down to is this Buffalo Jim besides being a professional wrestling promoter uh, on a local level, also um, had uh, an uh, auto mechanic business that was in the industrial part of Las Vegas, where we live, and uh, in a really shitty part of town, quite honestly. Yeah. And... Uh, Still is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't gotten any better. No. 
Uh, in fact, I've been in there. I remember the lobby because it was filled with autographs of eight by tens of various wrestlers completely covering every wall. Yep. You know, it's Yokozuna and, and uh, you know. Who was one of his trainers at one point. Oh, is that yeah, right? Yeah, Yoko was one of the trainers. Um, oh, right before he died, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so, but, uh, and that's where I went to go talk and sit down with him and, and whatever. But, but uh, anyway, this automotive shop was directly next door to uh, the Crazy Horse 2. And to be clear, 2 is spelled T-O-O because mm-hmm. there was another crazy horse in town uh this location it was a it's a strip club and the the unsolved mysteries uh i almost don't want to call it a documentary because uh, i don't know i guess that's what it qualifies as but it it goes into detail of its involvement with the mob and there's back and forth you know uh, bullshittery between the two eventually the main guy gets sent off to uh, prison gets out after a few months for good behavior. And then a day or two later, uh, Buffalo or maybe the next day, Buff- it was the next day. Yeah. Buffalo Jim is found dead after having met with one of the dancers there in a motel room. Yes. And, uh, <clears throat> so it's obviously very questionable and they found some white powder in his nose or his nose and his beard and his mustache and all that sort of stuff. Uh, in this motel room with, for some reason, the pants down. I don't know. Yeah. They didn't. I, and that's the thing is that they didn't really seem to go very thorough in the autopsy. I was I, that word was stuck on my tongue, but like there was a lot of things that I've I've had interactions with Buffalo Jim mm-hmm. um, over the telephone. Uh, I don't know enough about him to uh, give any information, unfortunately, which I I was asked by one of his daughters. She contacted me. Right. And she said, hey, do you have any information? And unfortunately, all the information that I have is secondhand. Right. And I'm not comfortable dispelling uh, information from people that probably got their information thirdhand. Right. You know, like that's. Let's just say it wasn't flattering. Correct. And it's like, you don't want to be the person to tell someone's surviving family member this super unflattering thing that you've only heard. Yeah. And that could very well be complete bullshit. Right. Now, if I if I had any information um, that I could really give concrete, concrete information that I if I was there firsthand, I would have been able to say something. But it the only thing that I could tell anyone it was is before is that your time really in the industry, right? It, I, it was during a period of time that I was trying to enter the industry. Right. Um, I had a conversation on the phone with Buffalo Jim and he told me, yeah, $500 a month, brother. <laughs> and it's probably what he told me too. And then I, um, I found the Las Vegas professional wrestling Academy that was being ran by a, a gentleman named Superstar Mike Lane, Nick Bockwinkle, and Scott Casey, which they were more reputable trainers. Hey and Nick Bockwinkle is Nick Bockwinkle, but I think if you're going to have Superstar before your name, people should know, a couple of people should know who your name is. I, yeah. I don't know who Thomas Lane is. Yeah, and that's okay. <laughs> but um, he, he's a superstar. I know that. Yeah. 
but that that school had more going for it, and they also uh, told me half the price that Buffalo Jim. God damn, me. half the price of Buffalo Jim, which I thought was a carny operation in the first place. Yes, and fucking Nick Bockwinkle is around. Yes, brother. If I had known that, I this conversation might be very different. Yeah, I might fucking be in the gym with you. Right, and the there's still a lot of remnants left over from the Las Vegas professional wrestling Academy in the Vegas scene. Right. And unfortunately I, it was, I was about 17, 18. That's really when my health issues were going wild. Right. And by the time I got out of the hospital, you had a lung problem. You good. Yep. Did you inhale a crazy glue cap that essentially became part of your lungs years later? Yes. Jesus Christ. Party hard. Um, <laughs> it was it was an accident. Yeah. It I don't what, know anyone who would do something like that on purpose. Yeah. And it, it didn't show up on x-rays because it was plastic. It more or less. I had a foreign object that was stuck in my body that became uh, part of your body, part of my body that needed to be removed immediately. Right. And once they removed it, by the time I actually got out Nothing was around anymore. Uh, the Las Vegas Athletic Commission had kind of come in, and this was before mixed martial arts right. was uh, as big of a business as it was or it is it is now. And they kind of made it very difficult for professional wrestling to run out of Vegas. Mm. Uh, they they wanted to bring in licensing. They wanted to. We're talking about like the athletic commission. Yeah, yeah. The 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 state athletic commission wanted to bring in licensing. They wanted to, which I I kind of agree with, like blood work being done consistently and things like that. Sure. Uh, but they wanted to have medical staff at every show, no matter the size, and it costs a lot of money to say, "Hey, um, ambulance, uh, stay right here in case anything goes wrong." Yeah, if Jerry Lawler thinks twice about getting. Kaufman of uh, uh, an ambulance in it in the sportatorium, which was sold out. Yes. Then some local indie show 20, 30 years later, they, not they, gonna, not a, no way. There's no shot in hell. And then when everything kind of went cold, uh, it wasn't long after that, that Buffalo Jim ended up uh, meeting his end. Right. And it, then once MMA kind of became big in Vegas, uh, the athletic commission is like, Oh, this is where we can get our money from. And since then wrestling was able to come back. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, I'm a big believer in being honest, no matter who's listening. Yeah. So if you're a daughter of Buffalo Jim, by the way, I thought you were very pretty and uh, very nice. Both of you. Yeah. uh, On the show, but now might be a good time to turn this off. Uh, I'll simply say this, and I'm not trying to be insulting or, or mean spirited here. Uh, he was found in a very <laughs> questionable part of town. Precarious. It, yes. W- 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 when, when people go, where are you from? I go Las Vegas, but people from Vegas, when they go, what part of town are you from? I say, I grew up on the East side of Boulder highway and they always go, Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> 
Yes. Because that's sort of the eight mile of like on this side, it's mostly okay. Not all of it, but if you grew up on a certain part of, if you grew up anywhere near Boulder Highway, it's Tweakersville. Yes. Uh, so, and he was found in the, one of the more tweakier parts of, uh, of Boulder Highway. Yeah. And in a Motel 6, meeting a strange woman in the middle of the night and a mysterious powder on his face. And look, to be fair, one of the things that kept being repeated was, I've never heard him do drugs ever. I mean, he used to do cocaine a long time ago, but he hadn't done that in years. Uh, with all due respect, that means he was a good father who right. tells their children, I'm high on cocaine. Right. So uh, uh, maybe it, it, that's the fun thing about documentaries. If you use enough musical cues and stings and the right sort of footage, you can make a motherfucker out to look uh, to to be pretty innocent. Yeah. You know, if you believe that Unsolved Mysteries show, he was a loving family man who never did anything wrong. But you, he was a, he was a very questionable old carny who ran a really dirty uh, uh mechanic shop next to a strip club who was found in a really seedy motel in a very questionable part of town. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some foul play involved in what he was doing. Oh, but I definitely the, wouldn't either. The The idea of... But he com- was no innocent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The idea of complete innocence, I think, is a little... Um, I don't want to say naive. And oh, I, yeah, I don't want to be mean to these girls. They lost their father. I, yeah. I, ju- I hope they find some peace. That's much and, I, I wish. And and their father uh, worked extremely hard. Sure. And he he was very well known in Vegas. I mean, like he was he was the local celebrity like that. And he wasn't the only one. That was another thing that was in that episode. It's like he was. So they had like the councilman of Vegas at the time. And he was like, he was the guy. And I was like, I'd never heard of this motherfucker before. Yeah. I wanted to get into pro wrestling. The count pool writer was also the guy. And I grew up here. Oh, what about Wayne Newton? Come on. Yeah. There's a million people I would list up for Buffalo Jim. Right. And I think that it's just something that, you know, I think that they just want some peace. Sure. And they would like to have some answers. I I don't think the police uh investigated his death more than they did because of how they found him. And it kind of seems like a pretty cut and dry story. Uh so if they would have spent a little bit more time and effort, I I think that they may have found something from someone, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's so long gone now. Like I said, I think that the only thing I, if they are listening, if they do listen, I just, I, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. And God damn, it was like 13 years ago. Though. Yeah. Well, you know, I, some people I think carry stuff like that with them for when you, a long when, time. When you don't have a, when you don't have someone to blame, you will try to find someone to blame. Correct. And I think it's a lot different. Like for my grandma, you know, like my grandma, and my granddad, I, I think about their passing, uh, frequently. And I, there's some form of relief, you know, because they had lived their lives. My granddad, I, I wish he wouldn't have gone when he did, but he had a number of open heart surgeries and 
things of that nature. And my grandmother slipped into Alzheimer's really bad Mm. and lived the last, I would say four to five years of her life almost as a vegetable. And the only thing I could hope for was death. And I've never had like anybody I've lost people to suicide, but I've never had anybody get lost like that. Sure. You know, and I think that that's probably what stings. No, absolutely. It does. You know, so the, the, the time frame, um, I think that I was talking to Casey about it the other night and I'm like, I think that I internalize the death of a lot of people more than others do. Um, and it, it's just a shame. Sure. Well, I'd like to put this on the record. Um, because this is how I'm going to be found one day. Yeah. With my pants around my ankles. I'd like a little dignity. First things first. Erase my internet history. Yeah. Pull my pants up. Don't forget to do up the belt. Turnbuckle Boogie is a Diva Looter production and is produced by Timothy Styles and Cody Hancock with web production and music by Timothy Styles. Follow the show on Instagram at Turnbuckle Boogie. And for merchandise, follow the link in the show notes to our Brainbuster Tea Store. See you next Monday.